Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5 and uh, verse number 12, and I want everybody to look, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Verse number one of chapter six. I want you to look at that. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on. Everybody say press on. To maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And it goes on of instruction about washings, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Again, what we're going to talk about for a few moments of your time is we're going to talk about uh, don't get stuck at your start. Don't get stuck at your start. Uh, whenever someone starts something and, or, and pronounces it and has the wherewithal and the audacity to announce what they're starting, it is a setup for temporary celebration. And the reason why I call announcing the start of something temporary celebration is because it's only as exciting as the journey finished and not just the start. How many of you announced to somebody that you're going to start a diet? And they're excited with you. Oh, start a diet. Yes, you're going to start a diet. Yes. And, and, and there's a moment. There's very, it's a very, celebratory, uh, a very celebratory thing. We celebrate with you, encourage you. But the celebration is limited to the whole journey. Somebody says, I'm going to start. I'm, I'm starting school. I'm going back to school. I'm going to start school. That is a, an occasion of temporary celebration. I mean, people will smile with you. They'll, they'll pat you on the back. They'll say congratulations. But the congratulations is, is, is a congratulations paid forward. It is, it is not a final congratulatory statement. It is a temporary congratulations. It, it, there are plenty of things that we have said that we're going to start. And the, it's exciting. And some of us would say, you know what? I'm going to start going back to church regularly. And people get excited. As a matter of fact, the very baptism experience is an exciting experience. Three people walk forward and give their lives to Christ and everybody's clapping and everybody's excited and everybody uh, just gets that warm, fuzzy feeling when they make the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. It is a temporary moment of excitement and the reason why it's temporary is because this Christian race is not just about starting. It would be beautiful if you got the full congratulatory expression just by announcing that you are starting. The reality is no one has ever built muscle only starting to work out. No one has ever lost weight only starting a diet. Nobody has ever gotten a degree or diploma or whatever uh, conferment was designed to be given to them just starting school.
In other words, it is not enough to start. Turn to somebody and say, it's not enough to start. As a matter of fact, your credit is temporary when you start. The credit card that comes from heaven is not even fully activated until you progress. And though it is a joy to start something, and though it is exciting, and though it is moving, and though it is filled with joy, and though it is a special moment to announce, I start today doing this. I've been trying to get a job. I start my new job today. It's very exciting. But what's dangerous, what becomes tragic, is if after the pronouncement of your start, you get stuck. It does not count if you get stuck. Your start does not count if you get stuck. It does not count that you're going to start going to worship and start coming to Bible class if you get stuck there. It does not count that you're going to start your diet and start changing your eating habits if that's where you get stuck. Because it is dangerous to be stuck at your start. It is dangerous in a movement to be stuck at your start. Even in the civil rights movement, the problem with the civil rights movement and even the restoration movement is that the word movement implies progress. The word movement means you're supposed to progress. You're supposed to move on. But if you always operate in the start, like the start, if we have to do the same things we did when the civil rights movement started, if, we ha if we're doing the same things and having the same attitudes we had when the restoration movement started, then we cease to be a movement and begin to become a monument. And monuments are only good to look at. Not a movement, a museum, a collection of artifacts from the past that tell a story that was stuck, that didn't go past a certain point. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we have this text, right? Hebrews chapter 5. And uh, I, it's interesting because the Hebrew writer tells the Hebrews, Jewish Christians, that... Uh, by this time, you ought to be teachers. Do you see this in the text? Watch it carefully. He says, for when for the time, if you have King James, you ought to be teachers. I need to tell you something. They were stuck. He said, you have become need, uh, you need milk. You need somebody to teach you. But by now, you ought to be teachers. Here's the problem with getting stuck at your start. When you're stuck at your start, like the Hebrew people were, you end up missing future appointments to help somebody else. He said, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be helping somebody else. You ought to be lifting somebody else. You ought to be teaching somebody else. But you cannot help somebody else if you miss your appointment because you're stuck at your start. 
And there are many churches and many church folk and many Christians who miss the appointment to teach somebody else because they become stagnant, stifled, and stuck at their start. There are many of you in here that are missing your appointment to help somebody learn how to do something because you started and you got stuck. By now, you should be teaching this stuff to your sons and your daughters. By now, you should be helping somebody learn the trade that you've learned and that you've mastered. But something happened along the way and you got stuck. By now, you ought to be at the finish line or halfway through the race. There are people that you have sitting in the stands and they're waiting midway to cheer you on. And you're missing your cheer appointment because you're stuck. At your start. He says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you should be teaching. Based upon your development, based upon your progress, based upon what should happen and how maturity happens, you should be teachers. Now, let's understand this. He's not telling them you should be teaching a class or preaching a sermon. He says you should be conveying not only the information and not only conveying the information, you should be demonstrating. Demonstrating the information. How many of you know you ain't got to teach in the class to teach? We teach through demonstration. You ought to be teaching with your life how to love somebody that's hard to get along with. You ought to be teaching with your life how to show Jesus. If, if I've never seen Jesus, if you are progressing the way you are supposed to based upon your diet, based upon the word, based upon being uh, aggressively progressive in your walk with Christ, if nobody met Jesus before, they should meet Jesus when they meet you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you should be teaching. This is where you should be. This is what you should be doing. The, there should be fruit on the tree. By this time, you shouldn't be a stump. You should be a tree where somebody can find shade under you. But you have become such as have need of milk. Now let me explain to you, the Hebrews, the Jewish Christians, were so comfortable with what they came out of that it was easier to hang around that neighborhood. Because in a race, as you've seen with the demonstration, the easiest part of a race, the easiest part of any race, is the start. You have your most energy, you're ready, you're prepared, There's, you don't exert much energy at all. It takes nothing to get on one knee. The challenge of the race is the journey. The challenge of the race is the progression of the race. You're not breathing heavy at the start. You're not paying the price with your stress and your body and your, and your energy. You're not exhausting or burning energy at the start. And some of the Hebrew people had thought it more comfortable, convenient to stay around where they started. And the Hebrew writer was telling them to do something. He's telling them, what you're doing and where you are is not good. Uh, you know, I had second grade this Friday. And, and let me tell you just something about this. Uh, sec, there was this, I, I love the babies because, first of all, you know, the babies are going to treat you 
They're going to treat you with respect based upon what the teacher said, but don't ask them nothing you don't want to know. <laughs> now, some of us have found and committed ourselves to be diplomatic with things and to say things in a very diplomatic way. Uh, but, but there's so much naivety and sincerity in children that if you really don't want to know, you better not ask their little opinions because they're going to tell you. And you're going to be embarrassed, and that's a different kind of embarrassing than somebody grown telling you something because at least with somebody grown, you can say, this person has a problem with me. You can't say that with children. So I like, I like dealing with the children because they, they, there's a sincerity and a naivety. And, and they say what they mean even if what they say is not correct. And they do what they do and they do their best. The second grader. So uh, there, there was one little second grader and uh, 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 there was an opening assignment and, uh, and um, everybody did it. The opening assignment before the Pledge of Allegiance and all of that. And she finished. And she came and said, Mr. Hamilton, I finished my assignment. That's what they do. And I said, oh, okay, wonderful. Well, you're so smart. That was fast. Okay, have a seat. We got to assignment two and assignment three. By assignment three, she came up and she said, Mr. Hamilton, I finished my assignment. I looked at the assignment, and she did finish, but it was still assignment one. We got to assignment four or five, and by, by six, she came, and I realized after this that she spent the whole day stuck on assignment one. You don't get applauded for announcing that you've started when you should be further than where you are. Amen? I'm going to tell you how we do it in our fellowship. We say that's sound. That's sound doctrine. And sometimes we, when we say sound doctrine, we're, not, we're thinking of what we're familiar with. And so you have people all across our brotherhood that really want the preacher to tell them what they already know, what they're already familiar with. And then they question and doubt and even become suspicious with anything that sounds different, so much so that there's a little saying that was made up that if it's new, it ain't true. The problem is we don't have full, complete knowledge. So it's very possible that something can be new to you. And it can be new to you because by this time you should know it. But you're stuck on what you learned and you're stuck on what you knew and so you're living by a Bible that you read 10 years ago and not the illumination of the scripture through the Holy Spirit today. You are stuck at your start. And the Hebrew people, they were stuck. They were stuck. So watch this. Paul says to them, uh, you know, look here. It's not good. You should be teachers. Not only are you stuck, but you are diverting back to the old diet you have. Because you got to understand, uh, 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 your growth regulates your diet and your diet regulates your growth. Let me help you understand that. There are babies in here. I see the, uh, the Scott's baby and, and, and Daddy Scott is holding the baby. And it's been a while, so by now there might be, you know, there might be things that weren't there uh, in infancy. 
So one thing I learned about little babies, I'm having three of them, is you know you can give them a little pacifier and they'll enjoy it. And the thing is, when it's time for milk, you can pull that pacifier and it comes right out. But as they're being fed and their nutrition is going and their diet is being and they're being fed milk and that milk is taking its effect on them, you get to a point where you pull the pacifier out and something's holding it in. Because they have been feeding, they have been growing, they have been developing, and now they are growing teeth, and usually they are two at the bottom. And they stop you from pulling the pacifier out because now they have the tool to resist. And we laugh and we think that's simplistic, but the word of God is so simple if we just take it and apply it. He says, you have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. In other words, you lost what it takes because of your failure to be nourished. You lost what it took to handle the next level. So it isn't that you're not getting the next level. It baffles me to hear people who, uh, who are stuck say, I didn't get anything out of that. That's because that was meat. You should have got something out of it. But if you come 52 Sundays a year and listen five Sundays a year, it makes sense that you get nothing out of something that you should get something out of because you haven't developed what it takes to handle the next level. And God says, I'm waiting for you at the next level, but you're stuck. You are stuck. What does that mean? You have become content and satisfied with being comfortable where you are. For you, it's good enough just to show up to church. To you, it's good enough just to pray during church. If the only time you talk to God is when everybody's talking to God, you have a public relationship with God. And you cannot have a close relationship with God only with a public relationship with God. At some point, you got to grow and get private with God. Stop depending on other people's prayers and other people's supplications and the brother that's praying in the pulpit and the brother that's praying in the small group or praying in the classroom. At some point, all that you are taking in are the metamorphose to you being able to handle the next level with God. Sure, you know it's wrong. Sin is wrong. That's that's one level, right? That's a foundational. Yes, you know, in order to be saved, you have to give your life to Jesus and, be, uh, and have obedient faith. And yes, you know that. Yes, you know that. Yes, you know that. And it baffles me that, that crowds of us will get together and want to hear the stuff. Want to hear the stuff that we have mastered. Because as long as we have mastered it, we can become critical of other people that haven't. But how many of you know if you're in the 12th grade, you're the man? But if you're a freshman in college, you're a baby. And some of us would rather be in the 12th grade five years than the start freshman year because we have to relearn some things we didn't know before. Amen. Stuck. And you said, Brother Hamilton, I'm looking for something for your life. For my life. This is for your life. Half the stuff you ask people about, all it takes is you to have a steady...
personal diet with the word of God. You shouldn't have to call somebody to call somebody in leadership to tell somebody about Jesus. Don't get stuck there. And there are others that will encourage you to be stuck there. The milkman will encourage you to be stuck there. Why would a milkman encourage you to be stuck at drinking milk? Because it is economically beneficial for him to convince you that this is what you need. But the natural enemy to the milkman is the butcher. But if he can convince a whole fellowship that you need this whole time gospel that you know and been hearing all along and you know it and you can repeat it and you can say it backward and forward and in your sleep, then what that does is it keeps milkman teachers in business. But when you grow, there are some things that will not satisfy you like they used to satisfy you. When you get unstuck from your start, you can make progress. And even though the race is not a competition, it is an endurance race that builds your endurance along the way. The issue is you will never get built up sitting down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So let's go back to the text. Let's see what Paul, what Paul says. Say amen if you're following. Amen. 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 So he says... Look, you, 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 you need milk again. Then he says in chapter 1 and chapter 6, verse number 1, look at, look at what he says. He says, therefore, because of this, because you're stuck at your start, because you're still celebrating something that happened years ago, because you're still coming up saying, I finished my assignment, because you're still celebrating that you graduated out of middle school when you're 20. I know this is gonna catch the men. Because you have premature celebration and you're at, you're, you're yards away from the end zone, but you're celebrating like you're there. Because these are the types of things that block us and help us get stuck at our start. One thing that's terribly, that terribly leaves us stuck at our start is thinking you've arrived. You do not treat the starting line like the finish line. And when you walk around with a certain arrogance, with a certain disposition, you will treat where you are like you've arrived. But you can't, you can't, you can't be a person who's arrived who never, who never got on the journey. So he says, this, this is what he says. He says, because of this, verse number one, therefore, leaving the elementary teaching. Now, that's, that used to scare folk. Leaving the teaching? That can't mean that. It does not mean discarding the teaching. It does not mean dismissing the teaching. It means growing past the teaching. It does not mean that you get rid of school, it means you don't need your seventh grade teacher anymore. Amen. Are you hearing me? It does not mean that you're just doing away uh, with your pediatrician. It means based upon your progress, you need a different type of doctor. You still need a doctor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If anybody in here 
who's grown in your 40s that still sees your pediatrician? Something wrong with your health plan. Come on, I gotta go to the doctor. Yeah, you gotta go to the doctor? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? What you going to the doctor for? Just a regular checkup. Who's your doctor? Uh, my, doc my doctor is uh, Dr. Uh, John Smith. He's at uh, Parkland's Children's. <laughs> say, say amen if you understand it. So he says, leave the elementary principles. Now watch this. Where you are in the race, where you are in your development will determine how impactful you will be in your ministry. Immature people can't handle mature ministry. Now, now we're going to move from, uh, from the textual and we're going to move into the church practical for everyone, the ecclesiastical. The reason why we think ministry is going out there and, and, and knock, well, I knocked five doors. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But by now, your interaction should not be by knocking on doors. By now, your coworker who you've been on the job with for the last 10 years should know something about the Jesus you believe in. But we create these forms that make us feel accomplished. When we're really not accomplished, we're like the little girl, I finished my assignment. Yeah, you knocked on doors, but by now, you got a friend that you should have talked to about Jesus. You should be demonstrating Jesus in your life. At no point should you dismiss Jesus from any part of your life. I know this is not a prayer is the key, faith unlocks the door, but somebody needs to hear this because it, not only does it apply as far as the church and the development and your ministry, but you're not even ready for the next level in your life if you're stuck at your start. You're not ready. You're not ready. If you're stuck on starting school, you're not ready to be a nurse. As a matter of fact, it would be a travesty to put somebody stuck in their medical school start in the surgery room. Now, not only did the church and the Hebrew Christians have this problem, but even the Corinthian church had this problem. I want you to look at the text, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want you to go to verse 1, 2, and 3. And I'm going to show you this in Scripture. Now, the principle, this biblical principle is so universal. It's so universal. Universal. Don't think, well, he's talking about the church. No, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about the fact that you were going to start job, that you started job hunting and got stuck there. I'm talking about the fact that you started a new, a, a, a new eating lifestyle and you got stuck there. I'm talking about the fact that you heard the word and you said, I'm going to start doing this better and you got stuck at your, I'm talking about the one, those of you in a relationship that says, I'm going to start paying more attention to him. I'm going to start paying more attention to her. I'm going to start trying to connect with her needs or his needs. And you got stuck at your start. Because you, just like the runner, we convince ourselves that it's too late to start. Have you ever, has anybody in here ever convinced yourself that it was too late to start? 
anything. It could be anything. You, you say, well, I would do this. I hear a lot of that from Christians. I would do this, but I'm old. Not, what? There was this woman in the Bible that laughed and said, I would have a baby, but shoot, I'm old. Gave birth to a baby named Isaac, who gave birth to a baby named Jacob. Hey, hello? Jacob became Israel. The Israelites became the children of God. And from the tribe of Judah came Jesus. Don't tell me that it's too late to start. In the social help realm, there are things and people that give estimations. If you don't start this by certain time, you're more than likely not to do it. And some of us read that and we take it as gospel truth. So we get stuck at our start because somebody told us it was too late. Somebody told us that you won't have the energy. That's why I thank God for people that, that went on and finished even though everybody they finished with was much younger than them. That is not a failure, that's a testimony. That it doesn't matter when you start. If you don't get stuck at your start, you can finish, you can progress. Don't get stuck at saying, I'm gonna start, tomorrow I'm gonna start. If every day you say tomorrow, you will never get unstuck. So the Corinthian church had this problem and Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter three, verses one, two and three, what does he say? And our brethren, Look what Paul says to the Corinthian church. I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men. I, I should be able to speak to you as spiritual men. But as to men of flesh. But I got to speak to you as men of flesh. As I should be able to say this is not what God wants for your life. But no, I got to be able to, I, I, I got to speak to you like, dude, you don't want to go to jail, do you? Did you catch that? Girl, she ain't even worth it. Because you can't handle hearing, you know what? Just, just forgive it and just, just give it to God. That doesn't work. And I'm going to tell you, I'm, watch, I'm going to get real practical. When that kind of talk does not work, when any reference to God does not work, it's a testimony to where you are in your journey. Hello? If somebody got to tell you, well, you know, you don't, don't give her your energy. Don't, she ain't even worth it. And that works more than, look, you're a child of God. Yes. Then that's a testament to where you are in your journey. And if you constantly have to be talked to in carnal ways, it may just be that you're stuck at your start. That you're still a babe in Christ. That you're allergic to that mature talk that you don't even buy into that mature talk, that you don't believe that mature talk. It's not real to you. Even as worshipers, as worshipers, some of us can't fathom that somebody would start shouting. Why? Because we're disconnected from that part of the development. We're disconnected. We, we can't fathom why people talk about Jesus so much. Oh, you don't have to talk about Jesus that much because it's a testament to where you are. But praise God, God helps us and he nudges us and he stirs us and he will even prick us toward where we need to be. How many of you were like that and suddenly something happened in your life and God said, let me introduce myself to you on a personal level. 
Then you caught an understanding. You got an education as to why this person can't stop crying and can't stop talking about God. You start talking to God because guess what? You've been, you've been nudged out of being stuck at your start. But the Corinthian church, Paul said, I should be able to talk to you. It's spiritual. But I got to talk to you, carnal. Right, carnal, read. As to infants in Christ. Like babies. Read. I, ga I gave you milk to drink. I gave you milk to drink. Not Watch solid this. food. Yeah, I gave you milk to drink what? Not solid food. I, I gave you what you needed for your, for your place of development. I put you at the starting line. I gave you milk to drink. But what happened? Read. Not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive You couldn't handle the solid food. Now watch what he says. He says, I paste your diet because you couldn't handle solid food. I gave you milk because that's where you were and you couldn't handle solid food. And guess what? That's a beautiful thing if that's where you are and that's where you're supposed to be and that's legitimately where you are in your spiritual journey and in your maturity. But look what he says at the end of that verse. You couldn't handle it when I gave it to you, but look at the last phrase of that verse. Indeed, even now you are not... Even able. now! I need you to hear this. Even now, you can't handle it. Now watch this. This is going to get really practical. There are some things you should have matured past to where it doesn't break you. Babies are so fragile. That if you let a baby go out of your lap, that's a CPS issue probably. That's a child protective service issue. You drop the baby from holding it. Now, but when you get, when you get six years old, that six years old, that six year old, you're not gonna have to drop the six year old. They're going to be wiggling so that they can fall out of your hands. But if the six-year-old falls apart like the baby, that is an indication of some kind of illness because by now, you shouldn't even be that fragile. And some of us are still crying over little things because we have not developed to where we ought to be. But at some point, when you grow spiritually and get unstuck from your start place, you'll have to look back and say, now, I don't know how I didn't cuss this person out. I'm being real in here. Some of, us, some of us, we wonder now, I know if this were 10 years ago, I would have gave you a piece of my mind, my mother's mind, my father's mind, my family's mind, the family reunion's mind. You'd have had so many pieces of mind, you'd have thought my mind was yours. But as you grow spiritually and you go on your Jesus journey, you start seeing that things change where what used to mess with you, what you used to be fragile to, what used to tear you down and make you want to give up doesn't do it anymore because you're not at your start. You're on your journey. Thank God because some of us would be in jail. Some of us would be in trouble if we did not grow spiritually. Does that make sense to anybody? So, you cannot get stuck at your start. I'm so glad today
that the Hebrew writer said, move on. Turn to somebody and say, move on. Okay, you, 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 you know the truth. You know the truth. And, and every now and then somebody will come here and uh, write something. They, uh, you, know, they're not, they, you know, they're not preaching the one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. That's because we are. And it's just a bunch of us in here. And by now, all of us should know that there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And so when there's an event that where there's all of us, just all of us in here, I don't need to do a full-fledged sermon on what it takes to understand that there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism because that's remedial. You should, if you're a child of God, you should know that by now. What you need to learn is how to love somebody that doesn't love you. You need to learn how to forgive somebody when they're still behaving in the way that offended you in the play, first place. You need to learn how do I look like Jesus when everybody around around me looks like the devil. You need to learn how do I walk in, in faith even when everything around me says I can't. It's going to fail. You're going to let them down. You're, gonna, you, you're a failure. You, you, you might as well throw in the towel. What you need to learn how do I look more like Jesus? But if you stuck at your start you cry for a diet you shouldn't even need anymore. You make noise, you complain. Because they over there, they're up there singing. Singing. And they got more than one song leader. Hello? And you take your raggedy life and walk out of this place because there's more than one song leader and go back to the devilment you've been living in before as if God is dismissive of your lifestyle but he's angry at more than one song leader. You stuck. Where you started. So turn to somebody and say, grow on. Now turn to a real person and say grow on. grow on ask them why is that still a problem <laughs> some of you didn't do it I'm going to give you a makeup test ask them why is that turn to somebody look them square in the face somebody needs to hear this why is that still a problem turn to somebody else and say why is that still a struggle Now, now turn to two people now. I feel something in this place. Turn to two people and say, why is that still a problem? And why is that still a struggle? And then tell them, grow on. Move on. Don't get stuck. At your start. You may not say you need it, but you need this. I need this because sometimes the devil will convince you that this is where you're supposed to be when it's not. I've eaten more than this. I've read more than this in the word. I had more than this in my teaching. I know I should be past this point. So if you start in school, congratulations for starting. But nobody ever gets a diploma for starting school. Amen. I never met a person that got a degree who only started school. 
If you're starting a business, I'm going to start this business. Because you saw somebody else in their journey and you looked at the middle of their journey and you desired the middle of their journey, but you stuck at start. Remember, there are two easy, that the easiest part of a race is the start. If they're smiling in the middle of the journey, they're smiling because, not because it's easy, but because they trust in the God that's going to bring them through the race. But just don't start, do it. You say, well, I, you know, I'm going to start a diet because I need to be healthier. And this, let, me, let me tell you something. Diets are not to look better first. Amen. Diets are to live better. Because you can be small and have a massive heart attack from clogged arteries. So if you say, I'm going to choose a better lifestyle, congratulations. When are you going to start? I'm going to start tomorrow. What are you going to do? Keto? Mediterranean? I'm going to do the intermittent diet. Congratulations. If you tell me this same thing two months from now, I'm not going to congratulate you. Because your start is not something celebratory. It's something tragic. Because by now, based on when you said you start, you should have been on the journey. Is there anybody that understands this? Not only that, let me give you some more. Let me give you some more. We're almost finished. Uh, starting a ministry. I'm going to start a ministry. I want to help homeless people. Great. Congratulations. I'm going to do it. Okay, congratulations. Congratulations. That's a very short-lived congratulations. It's only as long as you start. If you move further, then that's a different congratulations. Don't expect people to congratulate you for the journey if you stuck at the start. You don't get journey credit for only being stuck at your you, you don't get journey credit. Hello? There's no hope. There's no hope given. Uh, every now and then, you sisters will go somewhere shopping. I'll be right back. I'm going to Ross or what? Or what? Macy's or what? DJ Maxx, all right. I'm just kind of checking the socioeconomic atmosphere here. Oh, who said Neiman Marcus? Somebody said nobody. <laughs> Macy's, TJ Maxx, Marshalls. Okay, we have one of the senior saints here that said goodwill toward all men and women. That's wonderful. Watch my point. I'll be there. I'm only going to be 15, 20 minutes. I'm just going in. I'm going in. What's the saying? I'm going in. Coming right back out. Oh, somebody's feeling me right now. Then there's the notorious phone call. Have you left yet? No, but I'm about to. Come on, come on, Mountain View. Some of y'all trying, trying to stay stone-faced. 
If you stone face, you the one I'm talking about. Everybody look around. If you see somebody stone face, it's them. <laughs> Call ten minutes later. <laughs> Have you left yet? It'll be about ten minutes. It only take five minutes to get home. Which means you've been leaving for the last 15 minutes. You get no credit for leaving by saying, I'm about to. It is then that the husband, or sometimes even the wife, realizes that this special person to me is stuck at their about to at their start. Does that make sense? We see it in life. You see it in life. Nobody gets home by only, I'm about to leave. Okay? And nobody gets mature by being stuck at their, at their start. I'm so glad that Jesus is a finisher. Oh my God, Jesus is a finisher. I mean, uh, he didn't get stuck in the manger. Amen. Aren't you glad he didn't get stuck in the manger? Amen. Or if he did, we'd only be talking about a savior that was born. But no, no, no. He moved in progress to the start of his younger, his adolescence. And I'm so glad he didn't get stuck at his adolescence. And I know he didn't get stuck out of his adolescence because one time uh, mama and papa, Mary and Joseph, were, had lost him for about three days. And when they found him, they, they saw him talking to the doctors and, and lawyers and both hearing them and asking them questions. Check this out. His mama said, what, what are you doing? Where have you been? And I'm glad that Jesus didn't get stuck in adolescence. As a matter of fact, he so didn't get stuck that when his mama said, where you been? You know what he said? He said, I must be about my father's bit I can't get stuck here most 12 years old 12 year olds will linger here but I've got business to take care of and I'm so glad he didn't get stuck he didn't get stuck in choosing his disciples even when his disciples thought that he would follow them and that his being focused was about them he said listen if you want to leave you can leave too but I'm here to do the will of my father which is in heaven didn't get stuck when they took him and tried him on Calvary's cross when he had to carry his cross all the way up the Via De La Rosa to be hung on the cross he was carrying he didn't get stuck he could have got stuck Peter wanted to get him stuck he said master do you want me to take care of these men Jesus said if I wanted to I can call legions of angels to take care of every last one of these soldiers but why didn't Jesus do it because I can't get stuck in almost and all and and starting to be crucified I've got to go all the way they took him and they nailed him in his hands and in his feet he could have called angels down and stopped everything but he didn't get stuck at his start at crucifixion and then they then he died they buried him in a tomb 
but he didn't get stuck in the tomb. And if I had time, I'll tell you, some of you are stuck in the tomb. Don't you know it's four days? You were supposed to be up a day ago. Only G Jesus stayed three days. What are you doing in the tomb for six days? You are stuck. Get up out of that tomb. He's already called you forward. He's already told you to come forth. Don't get stuck in the tomb. And he didn't. On the third day, he got up with all powers in his hand. Got up a conquering king. But did he get stuck in resurrection? No. Because after so many days, he went up to glory. And did he get stuck just hanging out with his father in glory? No. Hebrews 7.25 says this. That when he went up and sat on the right hand of God, he starts working for us. Bible says he makes intercession. So he's sitting on the right hand of the father, talking to God about us. Making into aren't you glad he didn't get stuck just being risen? Aren't you glad he didn't get stuck in the manger or the tomb or the ministry or as a 12 year old? But he's right now, right now, right this minute, real time now, up there talking to the father about when you mess up and I mess up and we fall and you fall and you falter and you give up and this happens and you feel discouraged and you feel lonely. Jesus is right there still working saying let me tell you I've been down there before it's pretty hard but just let them let them just let them let them accept your forgiveness still working for us meanwhile some of us are stuck on praise leaders some of us are stuck on what happened five ten years ago because it still hurts and the reason why it still hurts is because some of that hurt you are feeding yourself. You done took control of your own diet. And so you constantly remind yourself of what hurt you. And God says, I have another diet for you. You push God's hand away when he wants to give you what you need and you pick up the junk of holding a grudge and you smash it into your mouth so that it's refreshed and then you wonder why you've got to still issue, still have an issue with something 20 years later you stuck you stuck at your start perhaps there's somebody here and you're stuck at your start God wants us to finish he's a finisher he that began Philippians 1 6 he that began a work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus's return God says I'm gonna finish I want to finish what I started in you but part of that is in your control you can't get stuck you're getting in the way of God's work. You're getting, away, getting in the way of being a blessing to somebody. God says, stop it. I'm trying to finish work in you, but you're busy being stuck at your starting point. And if you're there and we can pray for you, you can come right now. Maybe you're stuck in something in your life and you shouldn't be stuck in it. 
and you complain about other people's progress and other people's progress makes you bitter, you need to come. Maybe you're here and you are not, you have not even started. You have not named the name of Jesus. Let me tell you how this is going to go. If you want to come to Jesus, you don't come by just making a statement that I, I received the Lord into my life.